Hi, we're Katie, Jessica, and Shannon, and this is Boy Problems Podcast, a community focused on supporting families navigating substance use disorder. We hope sharing our stories, introducing you to experts, and answering all the questions you have no one else to ask will help you better navigate your story. Through our partners' recoveries, we found each other and formed our own squad, one we know is so valuable to how we manage this disease in our relationships. So we started bringing a microphone to our hangouts to extend our conversations to others just like us. When you're here, you're not alone. Thanks for joining us for part two of the parenting episode. We were back again with Lizzie and we had a wonderful conversation. It was over an hour, so we decided to split it up in two segments. So last segment, she spoke about um, how Drew went into rehab uh, when she had a newborn. Also spoke about how she had to take her three-year-old to counseling because he was um, injuring himself a little bit and so took him to counseling to navigate through his feelings. She also spoke about how they uh, caught their junior in high school drinking and how they dealt with that situation. So jump over to part one, take a listen to that, and we're going to kick off with part two. Drew always talks about now I think it is a boy like boys loving their moms but Drew always talks about how much they love me and how different they are towards me and I was like they will always love me so much more because of what we went through like I don't think he understands like like I was and like I talked a lot about that in my counselor and I never really thought about it until like later but like I was their constant I kept it you know like I just I was their rock for them and you know like he wasn't there so he doesn't know and so they're I mean obviously I think boys love their moms in a different way than their dads but I mean I think we just we have that crazy crazy bond that we went through you know pray we never have to go through anything like that again but if we do we'll be equipped I'll be their rock so yeah yeah so that made me think of something um I don't know if either of you have experienced this where, you know, when you feel like you're the one who's like keeping it all together and you're like the one who's there all the time and being like the constant source of support and everything. But then it's like, oh, dad's the fun one now. And like, does that create feelings of resentment or like, I don't know if you have anything to talk about there. And like, I guess, Katie, I'm thinking for you, like Kimmin's not been inactive addiction since your kids have been born, but I know that his recovery takes up a lot of time from your family and, you know, things fall on you. So do you ever experience that? Like, oh, they're so excited to see daddy. And like, maybe they're mad at you. And you're like, I've been the one making dinner or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, because yeah, in, in the beginning, uh, Kimmon was going to six meetings a week. And if you think about it, like meetings are like an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half. I mean, that's in some of these meetings, he goes like 45 Drive minutes time. away. I mean, it's like two, two and a half hours that he's gone. And so, um, I just remember so vividly in the beginning, our first kid, um, was colicky. She just did not stop screaming. And it was like, I just remember this one time, like she was just screaming in my face. And I had like, I was just trying anything to shut her up. And I was laying her on her bedroom floor and I was putting lights on the ceiling and he came in. He's like, I'm going to go to my meeting. Are you okay? And I'm like, 
what can I say to that? Get the fuck out of here because I don't want you to relapse. And I'm just going to be stuck here sobbing while this baby's sobbing. Um, so right now he's a fantastic dad and, and we don't, I've not experienced that, but in the beginning it was really difficult because it was, I mean, it was two and a half hours, six days a week in the evenings. And so it would like get home from work, take care of the kid kids. And it was like, ugh, it was exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, the nice part with Drew's recovery is there's men's meetings at like 6:45 in the morning. And that's just been his jam. Like he loved it. And he always goes to that. So, um, <clears throat> that's been, helpful. I don't really, I don't know. I mean, they definitely think he's like more fun. Like I'm pretty crazy, like about bedtime and stuff. Um, but like, they're just different towards me. Like they, like, and I, I really like, like before we got on this, like my, my five-year-old's been sick the last couple of days and um, he did go to school today. And then he's like, we came home early so I could snuggle with you. <laughs> and that's just, just like his personality. And I'm like, I know, I love you. I was like, but I get on, I gotta go get on a call. And um, for work, I'm like always getting on calls. So he's like used to it. He's like, can you take your call by me laying in bed? And I was like, I can't. <laughs> just the way that they, I don't know. They just, I'm, I'm the reliable one. Like, you know, with Drew's head stuff he has going on too, he forgets a lot of things and they're like, daddy forgot this. And then he likes to throw everything away too. So we do blame him a lot. Like if we can't find things, we're like, dad threw it away. And he's like, why are you guys always blaming me? You guys are you know, uh, ganging up on me. And I was like, well, did you throw this away? I did. And then, you know, so it's like, it's kind of a joke. <laughs> Frustrating and funny all in itself. Um, and, you know, like, I think we're, we'll have to go down the, like, the talk of the brain head injury things. And, you know, I've already been telling our eight-year-old, like, well, he just can't remember things as well. And, you know, like we just, we're going to tackle that. And I joke with Drew, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to be in these groups for the rest of my life. Like I have like this kind of group and then later I'm going to have this Alzheimer's group or some like kind of like head thing, like Marty in this like one group, you know, for people who've had like loved ones who've had concussions. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. it's like oh, at least I'm equipping myself with being as as healthy for me as I can. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, can you talk about a little bit? So Drew's been on a path to recovery now, um, for some time, which is wonderful, but there was sometimes periods and maybe it was marijuana where he, he wasn't acting right. And with the kids. So to kind of talk about, he wasn't an active addiction. Well, eh, whatever. Um, yeah. Can you, can you talk about like having the yeah. kids when he was messed up with the kids? Yeah. I mean, I would think, I mean, that's like last year, uh, the neurologist had him try Adderall. That was really, it's, I think that was really more the, you know, the thing, like, uh, it just really made him like crazy nuts. And the fact was he wasn't taking it correctly and that's what made him like kind of nuts. And so, um, you know, there did get, we did get to a place where, um, our daughter was moving out of college and she called me and was like, Hey, what's going on with my dad? And he was like, so crazy. Like, and by this point, like everybody in the family, like his mom was like, what's going on? His dad's what's going on. His aunt, like all these people are like, he is just being really weird. And, um, 
you know, I'm like, yeah, I think something is going on. And so like when it started to get bad like that, I protected them. So like he was no longer picking them up from school. Um, you know, like I didn't want them driving around. Um, he really wasn't like around them very much by himself. Um, like if he was, it was like, well, so-and-so brought them home and they're at least home. Um, and you know, like it got to a place where, and I remember calling, I think I talked to you guys, text you guys, like, like I was to a place where I was like, he's going to have to leave. Like, this is my safe place here. Like we created this safe place here. Like he's going to have to leave. Like, you know, I talked to his dad and, um, you know, we ended up being like, okay, let's, let's wait. Like at this point, he was no longer going to be able to get Adderall. Let's wait and see where he is going to be. But I was like, you know, for my sanity and the safety of the kids, like he can't be alone, like where he's in charge. And, you know, I think they were kind of on the same page and, you know, luckily that all that kind of worked itself out and he no longer could have Adderall, like it's not getting filled. Um, he's still like, he was vaping at the time too. And like, he vapes like, what, it's all legal here. So whatever that means, um, you know, like, but he vapes, like he's not vaping, like just nicotine. He's vaping like the THC, like the, the Delta eight or whatever, um, stuff. And, you know, like I have talked to him, I think his in-laws talked to him because he was driving a company car about like, Hey, because technically if you do read on the bottom of those things, you're, you could be, you could get in trouble for operating a vehicle, whatever that is, OWI or whatever. Yeah. You're in, intoxicated. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, he's like, it's legal. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's um, legal to use, but not to like get in a car and operate a car. Like, like yeah. with an altered state of mind. It's like yeah. alcohol is legal to use, but yeah, not it legal does to drive drunk. Yes, I know. Um, and you know, it does start to make me feel a lot better that they can continue to get older because they can tell me everything. They can share things with me. Like when they were little, I was just like, Oh my God, like, I hope you, I hope they live in the Swift drive, you know, like, but I mean, when that was going on, like I did have his, his parents and stuff like helping out, like they weren't, he wasn't able to drive them places and everything like that. Um, and I know I shared like with you guys, at least like I had bought drug tests and, you know, he failed like the drug tests for the Adderall, which I knew Adderall he would say, I remember you guys warning me about that. Um, but you know, he, I think he's realized like the vaping, like he does the vape. Um, and, but it's not like, I don't know, we went on vacation last year and every second I turned around, he's like puffing on that thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that just it's like the addictive uh, behavior. It seems like it's like, how are you even enjoying that? It's like, as soon as you like, and I don't, I don't vape. So I don't like understand how that hits you, but I'm like, can't you like enjoy some of the benefits of it? Not just like sucking down something like every second. And so, I mean, he still vapes. Like I told him like his, uh, his uh, stepmom borrowed one of our cars the other day. And I was like, you know, your vape was just like, plugged in there charging and then it was on the front seat and he's like I'm okay with that and I was like all right okay um I still am not a major fan of it um but I uh 
there's some things I guess that I'm willing to like be like okay so yeah um Katie like hearing some of those things that like you know her kids know they can call her or questions like are there I mean, is there anything that you can think of that you already have in place to like help protect them? Like I'm, I guess I'm remembering like you teaching your daughter, like call 911 if you see daddy like this, or have you started thinking about like what things you might, I don't know, have you started planning for things as they get older? Like this episode? We hope so. If you want more from the Women of Boy Problems podcast, please join us at Patreon at Recovering2. We will be releasing exclusive content, and we also have an option where you can connect with us every month for 30 minutes, one-on-one. We hope you join us there. Back to the episode. If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining us for our virtual support group. For details, visit recovering2.com. We know what you're going through and we're here to help. We're recovering too. Not quite yet. The big thing right now with my five-year-old is if you can't, if there's any bad situation, like we have a a self-alarm or a home alarm. And um, one of the reasons I got it was, you know, there's a panic button, right? So it's like a red button. And I was like, anything happens. I do not care. Hit the button. The police will come and help you. Like, you can't wake up daddy. You can't wake up mommy. Daddy's not home. Like whatever it may be. Like I've tried to press upon her, like that red button can help you. Um, so that's just kind of what I've put in place now. Um, I think that's just kind of where the age appropriateness is. And, you know, we don't have alcohol in the house. Like we don't really go out and party. We don't really have friends that party. So we're just, we just don't put ourselves in those situations quite yet. Yeah. I have talked to them about 911, but it's hard because like, I don't like, we don't have a landline at home. And so like, they know how to like FaceTime people. Like they have, we have iPads and we have like, you know, uh, they think it's a phone, but like an iPod, but it does work. I mean, it FaceTimes people, but I don't think, I mean, you can't call 911 with that. And so I, I don't know, like I've thought about it because, um, my five-year-old brought up the other day, like, what's 911? Because he was watching mm-hmm. on like YouTube or something. And I was telling him, and I was like, if you ever need help, you can pick up my phone and call nine. And I was like, and do 911 and push the little, the phone. And then you tell them what you need help with. Um, but that does like, I, I don't have those fears anymore, but you know, like when the time that Drew was sitting in this like chair and like a zombie, he wasn't there. It was the day that he like, tried to hang himself like you know that like I don't know like I just I don't hopefully I never get to a situation because I don't think I would I don't want to ever put the kids in that situation um like alcohol seems different than like like using heroin where you know like if if Drew had had a heroin addiction and he just decided to do it one day and then he's like 
laying in the ground, not moving or something like with alcohol, you know, I think I would be more worried that he would commit suicide. That would be the scariest thing. Um, because I think that would be what would happen if he did go back out. So, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you were so wonderful to share that part of your story in one of our previous episodes. So we can link to the show notes of what that episode is to kind of learn more about Lizzie. You've been on a couple of times. And so, uh, so people can, can hear that story. Cause that's a, it's a, it's a tough one, unfortunately. Um, so as we're kind of, uh, wrapping up, do I'm just gonna, do you think the kids made you stay with Drew? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, uh, because they were so little, like I know of course now, and I know we've talked about it, like I could do it all by myself, um, because I did do it by myself. I mean, I had, I had this, like, I mean, for all people know, if he could have been imaginary, you know, like for a while, like he wasn't there. So, um, I think I also was so new at like addiction and everything. And, um, I don't know, like I listened to the podcast a couple of weeks ago where you had that couple on the girl that does the makeup or whatever. I did yeah. just listen to that. And, you know, like I could relate, I told uh, Drew the other day, we had like a date night on Saturday and I was like telling him about that podcast. And I was like, you know, it was really cool. Cause I could relate with that dad because like, you know, like you, you have these young kids and you're just like, oh my gosh, like you're doing it all alone. And you're, you're like hoping. And like, it's like, why did you stay? It's like, I, I don't like, I felt like he couldn't a hundred percent articulate. Like, I mean, I think he tried, but like, you just don't know why you did it. You just did it. And I think that's the reason like I stayed because of these little people. And, you know, I loved the three bigs and, you know, like, like to ruin that, that world, you know, like it just was like, it wasn't something that I even thought of. I was just like, okay, okay, I learned about this. Okay. It's a disease. All right. Here's the things I'm going to support you. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to do the things I'm going to make this work. And, you know, like I have a friend who went through the same situation. Um, her husband, before she, before she married him, she knew he had an addiction and he had been in recovery. Well, he ended up having an affair on her and all this. And she ended up like, she ended up leaving. And I was going through like, it was just like a tough time with just us and like talking. And I'm like, you know, part of me was like kind of jealous and being like, you know, it would be easier to leave, It'd be so much easier. Like, what is that life like, you know? Um, but I stayed and, you know, like I have faith that I think things will continue to get better. And, you know, like I, I never knew I'd be sitting here. Like, I don't know. He just sent us a text message the other day that he had a thousand days, um, you know, free of alcohol. And, you know, like he, seems to be in a really good place like with life and our communication just keeps getting better and um you know like I'm glad I did it but if that ever happened or if they were at the ages now I think be like yeah no run run um but you know it's just like you know when you're you just I don't know what it was I don't know if it was like like I did start going to church during that time and like I would just like it wasn't even like a church I went to. It was like my mother-in-law's church. And I just like, it played music every time. And I just like cry and be like, oh my gosh. Like, you know, like I was like barely standing up. And uh, 
and like going through life and they did these things like every every um once a month they called these miracle prayers and you would just have to go down there and you told some random person you don't even know what you're going through and they would just sit there and they would just stop and like say like a quick like 30 second prayer for you and I did it every time for like I don't know two and a half years before COVID shut down and you know I was just like I don't know what it was it's just like the same thing when Drew tried to commit suicide like it was just like the world slowed down and I thought like part of me was like it was almost like somebody like God or something was just like you're gonna be okay just take a breath change the baby's diaper 911 they're on their way you know like it was just it was just crazy the way it all happened and so um you know back to the question I would don't think I would go through it again if they were older but I didn't have a I didn't feel like I had a choice like I wanted this family to work and they were so little and I didn't have to have all these tough conversations with them I like had them with other people and I think you know, having to have a conversation with an eight-year-old every day, where's my dad? What's going on? You know, like little kids don't ask, like they, you know, mine worried about it and bit himself and did all these other things because he didn't know how to ask, I think, but an eight-year-old would ask and that would be very hard to do. So, yeah. Um, so Katie, you know, we learned that from Katie, that Lizzie stayed because she was like, the kids were young and I wanted this family and like, and everything was just sort of happening in the moment. And, you know, you were, you unexpectedly got pregnant with your first. And so that had its whole thing. But where I want to jump to is then like, I think you kind of like conscious, I think you consciously made the decision to have a second, like, was that an easy decision? Like, focused on like recovery addiction, or was there still like at that point, you know, a couple years of sobriety, was it still like, I don't know. Like, I mean, do you see where I'm going with that? Like how much of a factor was addiction in your decision to have a second kid, even after a couple of years of sobriety? Yeah. So for uh, me, I have a brother and a sister. So I was a three, you know, growing up. Um, so I always knew that I didn't want to just have an only child. And so, um, I made the conscious decision that with my first, that I would keep, keep my first. And I would, um, I felt I could do it on my own. I, to this day, believe I can do it on my own. Um, kind of like what Lizzie was saying. So, um, uh, and kind of like the independence episode that we were uh, talking about, which is, um, which just released. Uh, I think that I'm <clears throat> maybe too independent in that way where like, I'm, I kind of feel like he can come or go, like I want him, but he can come or go and I, and I would be fine. Um, so I, I think that, that to me had no bearing and, and he had been on a path, a good path to recovery. So I think that was very helpful. Had he been up and down in recovery? I don't know if I could say that. Um, but he, he was on recovery. And, and again, I was like, I, I can do this on my own and, you know, yeah. I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah. I think I'm probably just thinking about it because of like, like family planning in general, I feel like can be challenging. And then you throw in addiction and recovery. And if somebody is up and down, like I know Jay and I have delayed having a family before because it's like, oh, 
I'll think, I think we'll do it when I'm like 30, but then I was 30 and he was in active use. And I'm like, there's no way I can like feel good about getting pregnant right now. Um, so it's just, uh, an interesting thing. Um, okay. Last question. Um, and I will, and, and maybe, I don't know. I can't, I, I can't answer this. Honestly, I think it's a really difficult question to answer. Um, how did you build back trust? Um, Lizzie with, with Drew, I mean, you had infidelity, mm-hmm. you had the awfulness of his active use. Um, h- how did you guys build back trust? Cause I know that's a, a big one. Well, and are you thinking like more specifically, cause I know we've talked about trust in general, but I think for this episode, it might be good, like building back that trust, like with your kids, like how did you start like sharing like job responsibilities, like for your kids or feeling like at a point where it's like, yeah, now you can drive them around or pick up this slack. Like, yeah. So, um, for him and I, like, uh, he ended up doing a living in a sober living house here. Like he ended up coming back. And so we would invite him over to like do dinners. And so he like slowly worked himself back into their life um, like that. And then, um, you know, slowly he'd come over and like, I would go like, maybe I just run to the grocery store and he'd hang out with them. Um, I have a job and I've always had a job that has like these kind of wild hours. So sometimes it was he would pick them up from like preschool or wherever they were and then be with them until I got home at like seven eight nine whatever it was that I got home um so like just building that up slowly um it my my job probably forced that to happen a lot faster because it was easier to have him do it versus like coordinate this whole crazy thing with like in-laws or babysitters and all that Um, so like, I think, you know, the best advice I would give is go slow. So, you know, maybe it is those things where they, he comes over and you, you go to the grocery store, you run some errands and, um, you know, I, he's not a fan of being with them for like an, an all day thing. And he just like, it's like really hard for him to handle that. And, you know, luckily they're at an age where they can grab iPads and go play outside and, and do this. Um, and I worry less and, you know, my eight-year-old will FaceTime me a lot of times on Saturdays when I'm at work and I'm like, I'm with people. I cannot answer all the time. And, you know, like, I know they're, I, I do feel better that they're okay. Um, but I just, I mean, the most important thing is going slowly and, you know, if there were any like crazy relapses luckily once like we moved here and he moved in with us like there was just like the one two days and that was really it and he's been you know you know sober from alcohol and so it's it's just built up slowly so yeah I think that's the sucky part it's just slow (laughs) it's they they hate it because it's slow they want it faster we probably want it slower. <laughs> it's just a it's kind of a sucky thing to try to get trust back. Yeah. Well, Lizzie, thank you as always for coming back and talking with us. Love chatting with you. Um, thank you everyone for listening uh, and keep coming back. Thanks for spending time with us. We hope this story has helped you better navigate yours. 
Don't forget to subscribe so we can meet you here next time. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the love by rating or reviewing. Need more support? Join our online community by visiting us at boyproblemspod.com. Whatever you do, keep coming back. We're not licensed professionals. We're here to share our lived experience. So take what resonates and leave what doesn't.